guys? If you don't know me, my name is Zach Kellogg, and I'm the worship pastor at Ecclesia. And um, we're going through a series right now called What Drives Us, where we're kind of breaking down um, the values that we ascribe to as a church, as a community. Um, but also, we think that these values are very much a part of um, what it means to be a Jesus follower. And so, but we're just going to jump right in. And I want to start by reading a quote to you guys. And it reads like this. Often I meet Christians who are experiencing spiritual unhappiness, holding on to their faith, but not advancing in much. Bible study has become a chore. Prayer is a dry routine. The miracle of their own conversion, once recounted with great passion, is now a distant, fading memory. And going to church is, well, it's something they just do. Mechanically, half-heartedly, these people trudge along through the drudgery of quarantined Christianity. But when these lethargic believers break out of spiritual isolation and meet some spiritual seekers, something incredible starts to happen. As they experience the high-stakes conversations that tend to happen with unchurched people, they begin to notice a sort of inner renewal taking place. Areas long ignored suddenly come alive with a fresh significance. Isn't it incredible how elevating our efforts to reach others can be a catalyst for personal growth? And that was a quote from a well-known pastor from his book, Becoming a Contagious Christian. But did you catch the last thing that he said? He said, elevating our efforts to reach others can be a catalyst for our own personal growth. In other words, something awakens in us when we proclaim the gospel, when we share the good news of Jesus, it does something to our souls. But it doesn't stop there. What I want us to to unpack tonight and what I want us to see is that when we get on board with Jesus' mission for us to disciple the nations found in Matthew 28, which we're going to look at here shortly, what it does is it actually shakes us awake from what I call our slumbering faith and becomes what we just read. It becomes this catalyst for our own personal growth. In other words, when we position our faiths outwards towards others, And when we make our faith about seeking other people, when it becomes other-focused and our attention is on reaching others, it invariably leads to our own faith being fed. And then what we also find when we start going deeper with Jesus in our own spiritual lives, the more we then desire to see others come into relationship with him. So it works both ways. Discipleship becomes this two-way street. Now, if you guys have your Bibles or you have your Bible on your your phone, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to be looking at verse 18. If you don't have a Bible, we have one for you. Does anyone need a Bible? Okay. Okay. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And this is Jesus speaking, and he says this. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, if you're new to this whole church thing or you're new to what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, what we just read here is what's called Jesus' Great Commission. And this is very familiar to a lot of us. And essentially what this contains here is, this is where I nerd out a bit. This contains the standing orders, we'll call them. And for all believers during the present phase of God's kingdom and reign, this is what he called us to. These are the standing orders that Jesus is laying out for us. So this would mean that from the time from Jesus being rejected as king to his second advent or his second coming, This is what Jesus is commissioning all believers to pursue. So that's, if you call yourself a Jesus follower, this is you, this is me. And in this, Jesus shares three commandments with us. But the one that I want us to really focus on tonight is the first command. And Jesus says, go therefore, and he says this phrase, make disciples of all nations. Now, this was not the first time that Jesus emphasized this commandment in his ministry. In fact, the process of making disciples had always been extremely important to him, and this was something that he started with his very first disciples. It was an extremely important part of his ministry. And listen to what he says way back in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Now, of course, Jesus wasn't actually telling his disciples to fish for actual people, right? Jesus was using a colloquialism to describe this instruction of making more disciples. He said, I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus was sending them out to make disciples. And what did he mean by this idea of of making disciples? Because I think it is very lost on us. Now, a quick definition of discipleship. Discipleship is simply when a mature believer spends time investing in a less mature believer, right? It's really simple. A mature believer simply sets aside and spends time investing in a less mature believer. They take time investing in their lives to help them grow in their faith so that they could then go and invest in other new believers' lives. And then that cycle just continues. So it's not surprising when we think of discipleship, we think of it as being this this one-sided thing. After all, the the older, more mature believer is the one pouring out all of their learned wisdom to the younger believer, typically, right? The discipler is the one doing all the investing, all the strengthening. But I want to challenge us in this idea tonight because I think that there is something powerful at work that transcends this simple transaction between the disciple and the discipler. And that transcending power, you guys, is found in this very thing that we're doing right now, and that's community. 
It's this idea that as Christian fellowship unfolds, both of both the believers and the new believers become channels for God's grace to then flow into one another's lives. And I think this is something that a lot of people miss when it comes to discipleship. They forget that both the disciple and the discipler are first and foremost disciplers of Jesus. They are both indwelt, as we're told, by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, there is an opportunity for both parties to learn and to grow together in Christ. Stephen Smallman says it this way. He says, our involvement in making disciples will be one of the most significant things we can do for our own growth as disciples. Now, my hope tonight in challenging this more traditional idea of discipleship being this one-sided transaction is not to encourage us to share the gospel because it's, you know, it'll benefit us spiritually. No, where it becomes this self-centered, self-giving act. But what I want us to see and understand is that discipleship is nothing short of a precious gift from God. If the focus here is on the gospel, on the good news, what do you do with good news, you guys? You share it, right? You want to tell people about this good news that you've been given. As my wife, Jessie, always says, it's like being handed the cure for a disease and refusing it for anyone else, right? You're holding on to that news for yourself. Now, for the next few minutes, I just want to unpack a few ways that discipleship is this gift from God. And I say few because this list is extensive, but we only have time to touch on a few. So here we go. The first way discipleship reveals itself as a gift from God is by reminding us of how small our role is in the kingdom. Now, this is ironic, right? Considering we just said this is the great commission, right? Why would our role be small? But this instruction from Jesus to reach not just our neighbor, but the nations, right? What discipleship does is that it it reminds us that we are very limited in our own human abilities to reach people. In other words, we ourselves play a very small role in God's great plan of reaching the world. That isn't to say that our efforts are small or our efforts are in vain or insignificant, but it reminds us that we play a very small role in an incredibly great and grand story. It's so much bigger, so much greater than ourselves and our little worlds. And what it does is it places God back in the center of the story. And I don't know about you, but, but some days I have to remind myself constantly that there's so much more to the story than what's happening in this little bubble that I call my life, right? It's so easy to fall into this mindset of this is my world, and if someone else floats into my orbit, well then, yeah, maybe I will interact with them. I'll open myself up to, to reaching them, but otherwise I, I have more than enough to deal with in my own life. I don't have the time or the emotional capacity to mingle in other people's worlds. It's just so much easier to stay comfortable in our world, isn't it? It's so easy in our culture to have this, this mindset 
But you guys, discipleship is not just this quick and easy soul winning assignment that we're on as Christians to win people to Jesus. It's so much greater. It's so much more than that. We have to get out of this mindset that is, this is my world and remind ourselves that we are simply playing a very small part in God's great story of redemption. Instead of focusing on reaching the masses or the nations all at once, we have to start with just the one. The same is true when it comes to our personal relationship with the Lord, right? We need to focus on going deeper with Christ, not going further with Christ, right? What would it look like to go deeper? In my quiet time, what would it look like to go deeper in relationship with the Father? We can't just go from zero to transforming the world, right? To reaching everyone. I just want to, I just want to reach everyone, right? It doesn't work that way. It starts with the one. So I'll ask you guys, I'll challenge you. Who is that one person God is calling you to reach out to in your life? Who's that one person, that one friend that he's calling you and nudging you towards to invest in? And that is where we have to start. Number two, the second way that discipleship and proclaiming the gospel is a gift is that it calls us into deeper communion with God. Okay, it calls us in a deeper communion with God. How does it do this? To put it simply, it's like any other pursuit that we get involved in, right? We get better at it as we teach it, right? We get better at it as we teach it. Something we notice when reading Jesus's words in, in Matthew 28 is that the emphasis is not on the going, what does he say? He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now the literal translation of this would be having gone, the past tense. Having gone, then disciple all nations. The main charge or call here is teaching. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, this seems like an obvious question, but we can't teach what we don't know, right? We can't teach anyone anything if we don't know it for ourselves. But Jesus is making it crystal clear that we are commissioned to know the scriptures, that we might spread the good news of the gospel, that we might ourselves be teachers of it. That is what he's calling us to. There's this um, funny phenomenon that happens um, with my family when we go out to meals. Um, and maybe your family does this. But we'll be sitting, Jesse and I, with my parents, and all of a sudden they'll start talking about, hey, what's the next meal that we're going to have, right? So we'll be about halfway through our meal, and they're already planning the next meal. They're already getting excited, and, you know, we're, where are we going to end up tonight? What's the, what are we going to have for dinner? We're at lunch, and they're already talking about dinner. And this, guys, this has been going on for decades, my entire life. That was the most exciting thing to talk about around the table was when we do this again in a few hours, like where, where should we do it? Now, I don't recommend this way of living when it comes to food. I don't think it's healthy. Um, but you guys, this is how we should operate when it comes to, to being in the presence of God in his word. We should have this deep desire, this deep craving for it. 
keeping it always at the forefront of our minds and allowing it to be the thing that governs and guides the way that we live when we wake up and get in the presence of God. You guys, I don't know if you've ever had this. Josh and I were just talking about this, but both of us had these incredible experiences with the Father this morning where we're both in God's presence and it's so moving that you just can't wait till that time in your day where you can commune with him again. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I hope you will experience what that is like. But there's something about getting excited about, oh, I can't wait to be in his presence again. Joshua 1.8 says this, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. God calls us to fill our hearts, to fill our minds with his word. In John 8, 32, uh, Steve shared this verse last week where Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Or King David, Psalm 119, verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste sweeter than honey to my mouth. David again, Psalm 42, he says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You guys, if we are not spending time in God's word, we should feel malnourished. We should feel like, we're missing something. Scripture tells us that it should be our source of life. It should be the thing that drives us, the thing that motivates us and gives us energy, gives us life to get out of bed in the morning. That's the thing that is motivating us, that is moving us to action. And if you call yourself a Christian, you're, you're called to study the Scriptures because we can't share what we ourselves do not know And you guys, it doesn't need to be this scary or intimidating thing. God's word is so powerful when you spend honest time in his presence seeking his wisdom. I promise he will provide it. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7, these famous words, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. He wants to speak to you. He wants you to ask. He would love to give you these things. But guys, sometimes we're just, we're afraid to ask, right? Because here's the reality. No matter who you are, how unqualified you may feel, you will always find someone who knows less about the Bible, about Jesus than you do. That's just the reality. Have you ever thought about that? There is someone out there who knows less than you do about the word, where you can step up, where you can be a teacher, where you can guide them in this. Now, it might not look like what I'm doing right now and speaking in front of a bunch of people. I think a lot of you would, that would send you out the door if that's what you're called to. But there's someone in your life that does not know what you know. There's some treasure that you are holding onto that you are keeping from them. Every one of us who calls ourselves a Christian 
is valued and has enough wisdom to share Christ with someone. One of my favorite quotes right here, Charles Spurgeon, he said, evangelism is just one beggar showing another beggar where to get some bread, right? Evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to get some bread. When I read this, immediately it removes the pressure. Because here's the thing, you guys, when we proclaim the gospel, when we share the good news of Jesus with people, it's not going to be us that transforms their hearts. That is not what Jesus is calling us to do. He's not calling us to transform people. That's his job. That's what he's going to do. It is only Christ working in us by the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms people. There's nothing that you or I can do to transform people's hearts. That is solely the work of the Holy Spirit. The final way that I want to talk about on how discipleship making and this idea of proclaiming the gospel can be a gift is that it makes us more aware of our sin. And I know that sounds like a bummer thing, but I promise you, I'm going to show you how this is a gift from the Lord. It makes us more aware of our sin. When we open ourselves up, you guys, to sharing our lives with others, it's really easy to hold on to that, that 10%, right? Right? that small portion of our lives that we hold so tightly to for whatever reason, we refuse to share it. Maybe it's out of fear of judgment or personal pride or whatever it is, but more than likely what we're holding onto, that 10%, you guys, that is a sinful part of ourselves that we are not ready to share. Maybe it's that one sin that we actually deep down don't really want to give up. And so we're afraid to share it. But you guys, that 10% that you were holding on to, that could be the key to unlocking someone else's heart. It's not going to be the thing that transforms the heart, but it could be the thing that opens up someone else's heart. It could be that missing ingredient that gets someone to open up and share for themselves. Because here's the thing about discipleship, you guys. Discipleship destroys privacy. Discipleship, it destroys privacy. That's a scary thing. Because what did Jesus say? He says, whoever wants to be my disciple, they must what? What does he say? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Sorry, Marianne, I couldn't hear you. They must deny themselves. They must take up their cross and follow me. When we deny ourselves, this means that we are also dying to any sense of privacy that we think that we are owed. Because like I said a couple weeks ago, when this happens, you guys... Our lives are no longer ours. They are not our own. Because what did we say? We were bought with a price, right? 
Now, I'm not meaning for all this to sound scary, but what I want us to see is the freedom that actually comes with it. When we open ourselves up to others, to sharing the good news through the telling of our testimony by being honest with others, where we say, look, this is who I was. It's shameful. I don't really want to tell you about it, but this is who I was. This is who I am. But I know through the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the work of the finished work of the cross, I am made new in Christ. And when we do this, you guys, it frees us. It frees other people too in our life to do the same. I like to, to think of it as this, this holy exchange. When we enter into a life of discipleship that we are really entering into a life of community. And if we aren't being completely honest with others, you guys, why should anyone else be honest with us, right? Why should we expect anyone to open up to us if we aren't opening up to them? God has given us discipleship as a precious gift for both sides to be blessed. And the more that we open up to one another, the more that we are going to recognize our own sin in our lives. But what we also find on this journey is a greater need for God, right? A greater dependency on him. Now, the last thing that I, I wanna touch on is this, you guys. For, for those of us who do already have a relationship with the Lord, it really it is really easy to stay in this place of comfortability, right? You have your close circle of friends who already know the Lord, maybe. You go to church on Sunday or you come here on Tuesdays and it's really easy. It's really comfortable. But you guys, Jesus is calling us to a life that is so much greater, so much more fulfilling than comfortable. He's calling us to go out, to share this gift that has been freely given to us with the people around us. And he wants us to be aware of the urgency, the urgency that we should feel in trying to reach other people. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15. He says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You guys, the church's primary mission is to make disciples of Jesus by proclaiming the gospel, right? That's the value we're talking about, proclaiming the gospel. Now, I know this is way easier said than done. And so I, I want you guys to know that you aren't alone in this journey. We have pastors, we have people at, at our church, at Ecclesia. We have communities who want to partner with you, who want to strengthen you, who want to encourage you. There's so many amazing people in our community who, can, who you can turn to and ask hard questions to, you know, to wrestle out loud with. 
We have leaders who want to pray with you and help guide you. Now, lastly, guys, just know that when you do this, when you step out into the uncomfortable, there is something inevitable inevitable that's going to happen. And that's that darkness is going to try and push back. That's just a fact. Darkness is going to push back. It is going to make it, it's not going to be this easy thing that you're stepping into. God's not calling us into easy. That's never what he's called us into. But as the scripture tells us, it says, take heart. Because the victory, you guys, is already won in Jesus. He defeated sin. He defeated death at the cross of Calvary. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he is just waiting for you to turn to him in your weakness so that he can be your source of, source of strength and power on this journey.